from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Catholic. I'm here with you, Marianne Ellen Nunez, and here with my friend, Mike Walsh. How are you today? I'm well, Marianne Ellen. I'm very well, as a matter of fact. Uh, we're recording this on the, the Thursday before this episode goes out, and uh, it's a gorgeous, uh, what yesterday ended up being a gorgeous day outside. It made me very happy. Today was rainy all day, and that also made me very happy. I didn't have any damage from the hurricanes that came through, so I felt very blessed. Wow. Yeah, it was a uh, uh, this week has been uh, one of those typical August up and down weeks. Wow. So, um, I'm, but I'm pleased. And I'm actually, uh, I'm trying to take off on Fridays to get a little vacation time in, of which... You deserve it. I, I'd like to think so. Of course, <laughs> there's no place to go and there's nothing to do, but uh, I have enjoyed being at my house and puttering, so I guess that's a step in the right direction. Well, I think after working, uh, at, like, you know, tirelessly with uh, the pandemic work you did, uh, I think you certainly deserve these Fridays. In, in my defense... Uh, I don't know if it was tirelessly. I felt pretty tired throughout the the entirety of it, but it was uh, it was definitely it was definitely a lot of work. But that's sort of my goal. Is uh, you know, every year I've worked for the diocese, I've forgotten that um, the only real time the lull in my year is July and August. Except, of course, for this year, for because of the subject we're going to be coming up in a, in a few moments about. Um, so I am trying to, to take as much time as I can, even though there's no place to go and nothing to do. And I'm not bitter about that. I'm a little well, bitter you're about baking it. a lot, I see. Yes, I have. Oh, man. For, for anyone who knows where my Instagram account is, uh, I took a look at the last 15 photos I posted, and 10 of them were baked goods that, yeah. I, that I've made. And uh, I'm happy to say they were all delicious. I've only had one uh, failed baked good. I attempted to make the... Uh, the Japanese jiggly cheesecake. Uh, if you follow Tasty.com, which is a <laughs> Instagram account uh, that I like to follow, I follow a lot of baking accounts. Um, there's this fascinating Japanese cheesecake that's this big, fluffy, almost kind of like a enormous pancake, uh, but it's a, a cheesecake. Anyway, it looks amazing, and I figured I can make that happen. Turns out I cannot. I have not learned Japanese cuisine quite yet. Don't give up. It's, you oh, know. Oh, no, I'm going back to it again continue. at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've had a really good string. I think it's time to, and that actually has been something I've been doing. It's been going back to all my failed bakes from years and years past and uh, trying to improve on them. So I'm like everybody else during the quarantine times. I'm doing a lot of baking and enjoying it and, and putting on a few pounds because of it, which I'm perfectly content with. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. How's, how's your time been? It's been great. I, you know, just enjoying time with the family after work, you know, and, and working a lot in the school's office and um, sort of like happy to be making this podcast today where we will be talking a lot about, you know, reopening Catholic schools. Yeah. It, you know, it's the topic of the day. Really, any place you go is, um, particularly this time of year, is how are schools, both public and private, going to reopen? You know, the you know we certainly in the, in the previous several months we had podcasts where we talked to a lot of teachers and administrators about what it was like, you know, going through that lockdown period. Um, but now we've had an entire summer to prep for it, so we decided to bring on a couple of our own experts. To, yes. uh, to discuss it. So who's with us today, Marianella? So we have today with us Dr. Bill Watson, who is the superintendent of our school's office. Welcome, Bill. Thanks, Marianella. It's great to be here. And we also have with us uh, Mary Beth Peabody, who is the marketing and communications manager for the Office of Catholic Schools. Welcome, Mary Beth. 
Thank you, and welcome to you too. Thanks. <laughs> and for once, thank you for including me. <laughs> sure. And uh, just for if anyone's noticing a, a sound difference, uh, we were three of us are in the same room, and Mary Beth is uh, zooming in, so her sound will sound a little bit different. But that's that's why. Uh, it's one of the rare. I, I've only done this twice where we've uh, had one person zoom in to a, a live recording. So hopefully everything will sound good. But um, I and if it doesn't, I'll do my best to fix it in post. But we definitely wanted to make sure we had Mary Beth uh, as part of this conversation because obviously these two have been doing a lot of the work in terms of planning and communicating how. Uh, uh, Catholic schools in South Jersey are going to be reopening. Okay. So I, you know, um, Mary Beth or Marinella rather at the very beginning talked about me working tirelessly, and um, I'm I'm fairly confident, Bill, uh, you're the only person working harder than me in the entire in all of South Jersey because <laughs> uh, with. We had 30 plus schools to plan for, uh, you know, that's got to be a Herculean task. So, uh, you know, let's start from the very beginning. Um, when COVID crashed, or crashed us down rather, and we all started working remotely immediately, um, what were the first things you started doing? Because we only had a few weeks of lead up time to really think about it. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, one of the first things that I would say is that uh, I you cannot count out the uh, principals of the 31 schools uh, who are uh, working every bit as hard as anybody in the office of Catholic schools and uh, uh, preparing those schools for uh, to get ready. And that's that's really how we've how we've approached this and how we've how we approach things in March. Uh, one of our jobs at the office of Catholic schools is to set expectations to provide uh, schools with uh, kind of some benchmarks, uh, some, some things to aim for, and really also to provide a collaborative infrastructure for them to talk to each other. So uh, Catholic schools uh, have, they, they sort of operate as, a, uh, as uh, their own entities. So Catholic schools are uh, independent, largely, uh, and our office uh, provides the collaboration and the guidance that they seek. So um, one of the great things about that is that allows each one of the schools to do what is best for their school community. Uh, but at the same time, we come together to figure out what's best for everybody. So to go back to March, uh, one of the first things that we did uh, was actually very fortuitous. We had an in-person meeting planned for our principals, uh, and that was about uh, a week or so before we uh, went into remote learning. Yeah. So we scrapped the agenda for that meeting and we worked on remote <laughs> learning. And I have to say, the principals, uh, we provided, as, as we do, we provided a template, uh, looked at what best practices in remote learning uh, were, what other uh, schools were doing, uh, what our expectations were. Um, and at the time, you, you remember that we were expected to be closed for uh, two weeks yeah. of remote learning. So we were planning for if. two weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember that yeah. day. <laughs> uh, so we were, you know, planning kind of the immediate continuity of education uh, thing. So we did that collaboratively. Again, we put forth the template. The principals worked together. Uh, then we uh, moved into the uh, remote remote learning. And as time went on, uh, we met every. You know, we were kind of constantly on the phone with with princi uh, principals, and uh, they got. 
lots more email from me than I'm sure they wanted to uh, or liked. Uh, but um, even but see, more, I would disagree. More than usual. You know, if there's one thing we've heard about from throughout the the entirety of this, and this is just good best practices for other groups, um, the com- the level of communication that was coming out of the Catholic schools office is, is something that uh, a lot of those school administrators really gave everyone a lot of kudos for. Is that nobody was really operating in a vacuum. They had a resource to rely on, and you were doing a great job, and the, the office as an entirety was doing a great job of making sure that they were talking to people on a regular basis. And if I have any suggestions for anyone out in the professional world, make sure you keep those lines of communications open, particularly during crisis time, because um, you know I, I think uh, you and, and the staff of the office deserve a lot of credit for that. Thanks. Yeah, and, and, and we, we um, in addition to indiv- those individual con- uh, conversations, we get together, we started that first Monday getting together with the elementary principals on Monday mornings at 11 o'clock, all of them through Zoom, and the uh, high school president, uh, excuse me, presidents, principals, uh, rectors, and uh, everybody together on Wednesday mornings at 11 o'clock. And we continue that practice to this day, and there's no end in sight. Yeah. So that's actually been uh, one of the really uh, great uh, markers for us. It kind of holds everybody accountable to the things that we need to do for planning and implementation, because we know we're going to be checking in with each other. Uh, and it also uh, gives a really nice infrastructure for the, for the collaboration uh, with each other. So that's a great opportunity for them to hear what everybody else is doing. Uh, it's not the only opportunity they have for that. Obviously, principals are collaborating. You know, with, They don't need us for that um, to call somebody. They don't have to go through our switchboard or something like that. But we really are the, convening, the convener for those groups of principals, and that's really where some of the best ideas come from. Yeah. And they love it, I think, because, um, you know, it's it's so hard uh, during these times of uh, COVID-19, like, you know, to feel isolated when you're working and sort of like uh, being responsible for so many people. So I think um, our office provides that level of support that the principals need to work in collaboration with our office, with the fellow principals, so that, you know, we can have uh, and make the best decisions that we need to make for the better of uh, the children that attend our schools and the families as well. So, you know, I would have to say you put out a – I could ask this question. You – as we got to the end of the school year, uh, in addition to being a good, doing a good job of putting out a lot of good information, you know, you've done a good job of asking a lot of questions. And one of the things you did when the school year ended was put out a survey. Uh, it was a fairly, fairly, I wouldn't call it an intense survey. I, th- I think it was fairly easy to respond to, but you asked a lot of very direct questions about the quality that uh, the people saw during that remote learning process of the last three months of the school year. You know, can you give us an idea of what some of those questions were and what kind of the feedback, you know, overall you got from the, the questionnaire? Sure. Uh, it was, um, it, it was lengthy and, uh, and I, one of the things that I, I'm very appreciative for is the level of response that we got to it. Uh, we had over 3,000 responses, uh, and that is uh, really an incredible response rate for considering all, all of the schools that we have and that uh, parents have you know, multiple children in, you know, in different schools and different grades in schools. So that really represents a huge part of our, our student body. Uh, so the, 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 there were really two sections. You know, the first section was, uh, tell us about the last three months. And uh, where, what did we do that was uh, strong that we should keep doing if ever we're in that position again? Uh, what are those areas where we can improve if we're in that, those positions again? And then the second half of the survey was um, looking forward to next year, what are your thoughts? So 
kind of thinking about the uh, the first part of that, one of the things that we heard from parents, and, and again, in 3,000 people, you have a real range of, of perspectives, but I would say one of the, uh, the trends or the patterns was uh, parents, by and large, uh, were very uh, complimentary of the work that our principals and teachers did uh, in remote learning. Uh, so one of the things that we asked was, uh, you know, how satisfied were you with it uh, or how did it compare? Uh, and one of the things that I uh, remember is that um, most of the people said that compared to any other school that they knew about, their school did as well or better. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, that's, I thought that was a fair question to ask. I mean, sort of from canon law, we are required to be at least as good as uh, any other option for parents. And so uh, <laughs> knowing that we are at least as good, uh, but I think, but I, but I would say, uh, you know, a fair amount of people said we were, we were better and they were particularly, um, one of the things that I noticed was when pa- the thing that parents were most complimentary of and that they wanted more of should we be in a remote learning situation again is teacher time yeah uh i and and i i they they were very interested in uh the the small group teacher time live teacher time and one of the interesting things you know we mentioned before about how we uh, were kind of preparing for two weeks as it became clearer that we were going to be in this remote learning situation, you know, for longer, I'm really impressed with the way that principals and teachers evolved their approach. So they began with more asynchronous kinds of things, you know, things that you could do on your own time. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, educational websites, videos, um, you know, ex- practice exercises and that kind of thing, uh, writing assignments. But what ended up happening over time was there was more and more of that live uh, teacher contact. And uh, yeah, but to be fair, that varied, you know, depending on um, the age of the kids and the school and that sort of thing. Uh, but that was one of the things that, was, that really kind of jumped out as uh, something that was appreciated and something that uh, should we be in that position that um, the parents would like to see again. Yeah. And so I very complimentary of our schools for making that adaptation. And now, as we look forward to next year, uh, we're putting ourselves in a position to be able to deliver on that need uh, should the occasion arise. Right. Now, the what the other thing we saw out of the survey was that there is a strong preference to be back into schools. That, right. um, that um, even though everybody wants us to be safe and people are very, seem to be very understanding of the world that we now currently live in in a, in a COVID world um, and that there are, are risks and everything that we're to do, but that if we take proper precautions, you know, there are th- there, things can be done where we can come together. So with the idea of schools opening fully in the fall, and you know the assumption right now is is that we'll be allowed to do that but the truth of the matter is as of the date of this recording which is thursday august 6th uh, we haven't heard anything particularly definitive from uh, the new jersey state department of education or the governor regarding this so this may all get blown up in the next couple of days Hopefully since we recorded. Not. <laughs> but but assuming but even if that happens this is our plan going forward so can you give us some idea of what you and, and and the principals and the office staff were really looking at with the idea of the possibility of reopening full time. 
Sure. Yeah. So the, the first thing I would say is we really started locking in on the idea of opening our schools full time when we heard from parents on that survey. So we asked the question, you know, what, uh, which of the following options are, um, are, appealing. Uh, are, are appealing to you? Thank you. And uh, it wasn't a... Uh, it wasn't a ranking. It wasn't you could only. You know, they all could be appealing to to a person if they you know if if maybe and some people did respond that way. Yeah. They were sort of open to wherever we went. So uh, the seventy five percent of the parents uh, who responded said that the uh, one of the back in school five days a week options was was. Uh, preferable was appealing so and and the the hybrid options which you hear a lot about were all below 50 percent and the remote learning only option was around 10 percent and so we still kind of see that there is a you know and, and parents have a lot of uh, reasons for wanting to be remote um, so we saw that and we saw that there was uh, there would always be a demand for remote learning uh, but if we had to make a decision between really trying to be back in school full-time and uh, being on a hybrid schedule, we should try for full. We, sh we should aim for full time if we could do it safely. Yeah. And and that was always our our intent. We want students to have the opportunity to be in school full time uh, if they can do it safely. And there's there's reasoning behind that too. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not just to have butts and seats. It is th there's a benefit to being in school, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we uh, and. Uh, you, you know, I think we, certainly we believe that we're educators, right? right. So, uh, but I think, that, you know, there, there's lots of reasons why that's true, uh, and I think that the parents told us uh, that that was their preference. Communicates to us that there's there's a lot of truth in that that we're that we're in agreement about in the in the Catholic school community. You know, one of the things that we um, we we believe is that Catholic schools are are Christian communities, and and we work those Christian communities work best when we are together. Mm -hmm. uh, again, if we can we can be together safely, and so that's part of what is um, you know very consistent with the feedback that we got from parents. Uh, another is that uh, just academically, um, if if even if the school did nothing else but academics, uh, which we do much more than that, uh, but just looking at academically. Uh, one of the things that we learned was that uh, for some students, uh, remote learning or in-person learning is uh, almost interchangeable from an academic standpoint. Um, for some students, they struggled a little bit more to keep up with, with remote learning, and for others, they, they really um, were not able to keep up as well. And, and that has to do with a lot of things. Uh, maybe it's the environment at home. Uh, maybe it's the resources they have at home. Maybe it's... Um, you know their their own uh, particular uh, learning progression and their needs as a learner. So so academically, it really benefits kids to be in school with their teachers, where you can have that dialogue, um, that you know the the whole class kind of discussion. Which again, if we need to be remote, we can do, uh, but we believe it's better in in person. Yeah, there are also social benefits to it, um, and I think. The you know many uh, parents uh, who have said, and this is more anecdotal, but um, you know that their their children uh, kind of crave those interactions with others, and and that's whether you're in middle school where you're a a, 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 a social animal, so to speak, <laughs> and everybody knows that, or high school, uh, or even um, you know into the the primary grades. I mean, we we are social learners. I mean, that's a that that's part of the human DNA, if you will, and we learn best with each other. And it, and we, as Catholics, believe that we uh, are called to live in community, and those communities are, are better in person. 
So I so if we can bring the communities together uh, in person, there's benefits uh, socially, there's benefits academically, there are benefits emotionally. I, I mean, I think again, particularly, you know, you hear from parents and um, you know that that children really kind of suffered with this idea of isolation. And we're in a place now where some kids are playing sports. Uh, you know, they're able to get out and you know mm-hmm. be with other people uh, in in you know socially. And so, uh, school being a social environment, I think, is an important part of that. The, the way kids the way kids learn and 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 their emotional needs. Yeah. And so that's very very important to us as well. They're- so. So there, so that is really the impetus of us getting back. So then, the real question, the, the sort of, that's the natural follow up to that, and it's the thing you've already mentioned several times in the conversation is how do we do it safely? Um, and you've been looking into two things: the, the the logistics of safety and the statistics of safety. Um, a lot of research. <laughs> yeah, a lot of research. Um, and actually, well, I've been doing a lot of it as well, sort of more globally than you have. Um, I follow a lot of Twitter accounts specific, specifically dedicated to tracking the the, the pandemic. Um, so when you roll out a lot of the stats you've rolled out to me recently, I go, yeah, yeah, I've seen that one before. That makes perfect sense. Um, so let's talk about it. St- let's talk about it logistically first, because um, this is something that really each school had to do uh, with guidance from us and the state and, and health officials, but realizing that each you know, building is is different than every other building in the diocese. So, logistically, what have the schools been looking at? So, uh, the the first thing that I would say, and, and Mike, you mentioned it, but I do think it it, it bears repeating, is that um, we said in the in the beginning we wanted to go back if we could do it safely, and we do believe we can. Uh, so. We are following the guidance that was put that it has been put forth by the Centers for Disease Control, uh, and and that's if you just sort of Google CDC school guidance, anybody can look it up and read it. Right. Um, although we'll talk about some of the specifics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to get out of that. No, no. Um, and uh, also the uh, New Jersey Department of, of Education put forward uh, guidelines. It was a 104-page document that was sort of eagerly anticipated. And we are, everything that we're doing is within the guidelines that are in that that guide. Um, We are also uh, working in collaboration and communication with the departments of health at the county level. So the county departments of health actually are um, really involved in this pandemic. And so they are, um, they're the ones where sort of who, uh, the contract uh, contact tracing goes through, and they're the ones who are uh, the immediate resource for any uh, any of us really, but certainly for schools. Um, and they've been very helpful in providing guidelines, and um, you know they want to make sure that they're the count that the health department, right? right they sure. want to make Correct. sure everybody's healthy. Yeah. So um, so that's the the first thing that I would say is that that's um, everything that we're doing. You know, we're doing in the context of those uh, those guidelines. We even looked at the the World Health Organization guidelines. Right, so really looking, literally globally, uh, at what, how do we, ma- how do we make sure that um, our students, our teachers, our, our families, our school communities are, are as safe as they can be. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to boil things down. Uh, I don't want to oversimplify, but I also don't want to get <laughs> caught in the weeds, right? Because <laughs> right. there's so much. So I'll sort of start with the really big picture, uh, which is uh, wear your mask, keep your distance. And wash things. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard that once or twice yeah. in the last couple of months. Okay. And, it, and it's and it's so true. You know, I think um, 
you know, one of the things, again, as, as Catholic communities, is we believe that um, we are uh, in community with each other and we are responsible to each other. And so that's really the, the idea behind the mask, yeah. you know, the cloth face mask, which will be required in all schools for students and teachers, uh, is a... Um, is a way for us to collectively protect each other. I wear my mask so that I can protect you. Yeah. I may I may be asympt- an asymptomatic carrier of the virus, and because I'm asymptomatic, not know if I'm wearing my mask, then I'm protecting you. And if you're wearing your mask, you're protecting me. So we, we do that collaboratively. And you know, one of the things that we've heard about masks is, um, you know, questions about it. You know, will 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 kids keep them on? You know, or will they get? Will they take them off? And that, or will they? Um, are they gonna? Are they gonna be able to do it? You know. And I have a lot of I have, I have a lot of uh, confidence in in kids. And so I'm, you know, I a little I'm a little optimistic, but I'm also somewhere between an optimist and a realist. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, we recognize um, that it may be challenging for kids, uh, but we also recognize the strength of our teachers in communicating at an appropriate grade level to the kids, what I've just said to, to you, mm-hmm. uh, this idea of our responsibility to each other from a, um, from a, uh, a discipline standpoint, if I may, one of the hallmarks of Catholic schools is discipline. And, and we mean that in the way, um, you know, people have an image of what Catholic school discipline looks like. You know, but when we so talk, you're, not, about, you're saying not a role. Not a role. No, no, no. That's not, we're not bringing those back. Um, uh, you know, when we talk about Catholic school discipline, we really uh, talk about um, the uh, self-discipline or the the idea of, of, of you know, truly being a disciple. Um, and what does that mean? Is is uh, learning and following and developing a self-discipline. And so we have cultures that are, that that have discipline built in. And so the idea of, you know, even thinking the mask is optional, it's sort of like if you have a tie as part of your school uniform, you know, you don't take that off. That's right. We can certainly integrate wearing the mask with like, you know, do what Jesus would do kind of thing is protecting everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so and so I think that that level of cooperation uh, you know, again, I'm not going to say every you know child. I mean, do you have discipline problems in a school? Sure, you do. But I also know that we are. Um, uh, there will be opportunities. You know, one of the thing, one of the strategies, another strategy that our our uh, schools are doing is um, planning for outdoor activities a lot more. You yeah. know, all uh, certainly recess will continue, and in, in many cases, be a little bit longer. All schools are continuing um, to have physical education, and those will be outside. Um, one school has announced to its parents that um, rain or shine or snow, your child will be outdoors for at least an hour a day uh, in addition to whether or not they have PE. So some schools are planning to be uh, to have school uh, uh, lunch outside, you know so mm-hmm. so that's one way that we can incorporate you know a meaningful um, number one, different kinds of activities. Kind There's of, cool activities kind of coming up, actually, yeah. that would excite kids. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's sort of part, of part of that. And and also gives you, you know, again, because those are situations in which you can be more than six feet away from right. uh, from others uh, at all times and um, remove your mask to sort of get a, a literal breather, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, so that that's one of them. And, and, you know, sort of mentioned there as well, getting outside. Uh, another is, you know, that the second one on that list is is social distance. So... Um, the, the the key benchmark that we do see in the in the New Jersey guidelines and in the CDC guidelines is six feet. 
uh, that's been, um, you know, we're all very familiar, you know, with that. One of the things that's in both sets of guidelines, though, that, um, you know, that is uh, striking and I think, you know, again, realistic is in those occasions or those instances where you are not uh, or are un- not able to main- maintain a six-foot distance, there are other things you can do. Yeah. Primarily wear your mask. Yeah. Um, but uh, in all cases, in classrooms, uh, students will be um, more, than, more than three feet apart, um, some cases more than six. And, and three was our, our lower bound on that because that's the um, – Recommendation as the, the the social distancing recommendation by the World Health Organization, uh, and so where uh, the CDC and the New Jersey guidelines come in and say it's ideal for you to be six feet apart, they do not mandate or require six feet apart at all times. But what they say is, if you're less than six, be as far apart as you can and put some other things in place. Okay. So we so we do have masks, and we we will have in those cases where say desks are maybe five feet apart from each other. Um, this word that has become a part of my vocabulary that I never <laughs> thought would, the sneeze guard. Sneeze guard. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, you we're familiar with these if you've been to the- Can you uh, describe it, Bill? Uh, sure, <laughs> I'm happy to. I know all about sneeze guards, and our principals are, are uh, well versed <laughs> experts in, that, in yeah. sneeze guards. So, uh, of lots of different types. So, uh, you know, you're familiar with these. You go to the grocery store, you go to the drugstore, there are these, um, uh, you know, clear uh, barriers between you and, say, the cashier, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, in, they're an added layer of protection there. You and the cashier are both wearing a mask, but there's this added layer of protection that um, kind of protects uh, us from any, you know, sort of spread of the virus. So um, in classrooms, these, the sneeze guards that we're using are three-sided, right? So imagine on the top of a desk, um, you know, you've got certain, you have the, uh, the one, that, the one yeah. that you're sort of facing, yeah. and then you have two on your sides. And so um, this provides an added layer of protection uh, should anything, uh, should you need it, let's should, say. Should you know, a student sneeze. Should, should a student sneeze. It also <laughs> provides an added layer of protection. And, you know, let's face it, you and I have been, uh, you know, in situations where we've been wearing masks for a long time, hours at a time. You know, if you needed to just sort of unhook the left ear, take a few deep breaths and put it on, put it back on. I mean, that's just humane. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it also um, provides uh, that added layer of protection under those circumstances. So um, so those are present. And that's a really important part of the the, the risk mitigation strategy, if you will, the way that we're trying to keep um, uh, kids safe, and which is, again, within the guidelines that we're following and um, uh, provides us with options. Yeah. Uh, the third thing that I would say that schools are doing is, uh, and and that individuals will be doing is washing things. You know, so that starts with yourself. Uh, so uh, just like everybody else, you know, you you uh, I'm I'm sure anybody listening to this is far more conscious of washing their hands for uh, 20 seconds. Uh, yeah. You know, singing Happy Birthday or uh, <laughs> you're praying the Hail Mary is a good one. You could do that twice, and that's depending on how fast you pray it. Uh, 20, <laughs> 20 seconds. Um, and, and and then also hand sanitizer. So we have hand sanitizer stations throughout our um, our throughout our schools. Uh, we uh, also have sort of breaks worked in. And, and again, from a, a, an age appropriate um, uh, standpoint, right? So your yeah. kindergarten teachers and, and first grade teachers that's a, that's a teaching opportunity for them. Yeah. Uh, you know to. Uh, 
to teach about proper hand washing and why we need to uh, use hand sanitizer. Um, the other thing we're we're you know we're washing the desks. Students take responsibility. That's another thing that we do in Catholic schools. Is students take responsibility for their things. So we're not sharing things uh, nearly as much as we are. Those things that do get shared get wiped down with uh, disinfectant. Uh, desks get wiped down with disinfectant on a on a, on a fairly regular basis uh, within the school day. Everything is cleaned and disinfected at the end of the day. Many of the schools have introduced uh, uh, disinfectant foggers, you know, where... Vaporizers, too. uh, uh, Yes, and uh, as well as uh, UV lighting in some places. Uh, So those are additional cleaning measures. And again, as you mentioned, each school uh, is able to do what what needs to be done and what is best for their school and their community. So the schools all have a task force yeah. uh, made up of parents, made up of uh, community members, teachers. And so they're looking at the different options for keeping the school uh, clean. Uh, and there are options and keeping the school uh, safe for kids and healthy, safe so that the kids stay healthy. And they are choosing carefully within the needs of their community what's best. Yeah. And, and that's so important for the Catholic schools because they're not making decisions for five schools at a time. They're not making decisions. I mean, yeah, we're putting parameters on it, and we're um, we're we're their their counsel, so to speak. They come to us and they say, "Does this meet the need?" And we're we're pretty stringent. You know, we're very stringent, as a matter of fact, because we're uh, talking about the the health and the safety of our communities. Um, but where they're making those decisions, they're making them for their school community, and that's so important because um, they they have a lot of they have latitude. Uh, and they're nimble to respond to things that happen in schools, um, and and they're a- they're able to do that. So um, those are sort of the three the three biggies. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are other things. Uh, 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 daily temperature checks when they come into the building, um, check temperature checks at home to sort of so that the daily temperature check when you come into the building goes well. Yep. Um, uh, making sure, you know, really uh, asking parents to be uh, vigilant about keeping kids home if they're if they're not uh, if they're not feeling well. And then there is a um, a very detailed protocol for uh, if somebody shows symptoms of COVID-19 in school, what happens? If somebody um, has a, a family member who needs to uh, be quarantined or who has COVID-19 and that therefore they need to be quarantined, what do we do under those circumstances? Who do we contact? How do we let people know? Uh, if a student or teacher were to were to get COVID-19, we have strict protocols for communication with the class. Uh, for quarantine and isolation of the individual, and then in those cases, we are hand in hand with the health department because they are they have given us deci- decision trees that are based on research, based on the uh, the ongoing research as we learn more and more mm-hmm. um, on who we who what who should do what and what kind of communication is necessary to the school community that is informative but also protects the privacy of individuals. So there are very detailed protocols for that in every school opening plan. So the the thing that's kind of impressed me, so we've been, you and I have been working together a lot on this for the last two months or so, um, probably farther back than that. Um, But this is, (laughs) there has really been no stone 
uh, not turned over. <laughs> um, they, we've looked into every possibility. We've looked into every circumstance, um, and, and and with the realization that you know we can't predict everything that's happened. So earlier this week, both you and I saw this image from a high school in Georgia, where we saw that uh, the it was a it was a high school. The kids were passing each other in the hallways. It was a photograph. Nobody was wearing uh, masks, and everybody was tightly packed together. Um, what we are very, what we know that we are able to say is that is not an image that will show up in any of our Catholic schools simply because of the level of discipline and the level of guidelines and level of rules that are in our schools, right? Yes, and, and uh, you know that 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 photograph, I I am confident. Uh, is horrifying to our principals and to our teachers, uh, and for that matter, to our, our school families. And mm-hmm. that's that's where I would say uh, I had. That's where my confidence comes from. So it comes from the fact that there is mutual agreement across everybody, and I would even say from the students. You know, again, there's a different there's a different approach that a 16 year old, you know, sophomore or junior in high school, uh, is going to uh, a different way that they're going to be vigilant about that than a, a six year old or a seven year old, you know, first or second grade. Um, but I would say that 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 commitment to each other and you know Catholic schools are schools of choice uh, people and we give parents choices right so so uh, for example in number one it's a choice to choose a Catholic school to begin with number two and we haven't talked about this the remote option that will be available to families who are not yet ready to send their kids back to back to school um, but they are families where parents are invested, excuse me, schools where parents are invested. They're schools where the, uh, the teachers and the principals are there because of the mission. And I, will, I absolutely believe that that mission begins with love. Yeah. And, and, and I've told this to the parents, and the teachers know it, the parents know it, the principals know it. The first thing you must do is love the children. And when you love the children, uh, that just sets the tone for everything. Uh, so that image, I am confident, will not be an image that will arise in the in the South Jersey Catholic schools. Um, and I can say also with confidence, if, if something unexpected happens, and that does, uh, there will be um, uh, consequences for that for that school um, and for those who are uh, involved in whatever you know whatever that is and I, you know I don't mean that to sound punitive but I mean it because it violates that covenant of love it violates the responsibilities that we have to each other and we have those responsibilities to each other so we can enjoy these communities uh, in which that, that we are choosing to be in but also so just go to go back to the beginning of our conversation so that we can have uh, students can benefit from all of the things that Catholic schools offer, not least of which is academics, but the social benefits, the emotional benefits. Hey, if you want to be here, if you want this to be part of your life, you got to hold up your end of the deal. Yeah. And, and our students know that. They, they've always known it, and this is just another way, I think, for them to demonstrate that they have that they're holding up their end of the deal. And when I say there's consequences, you know, then we have to we have to go in and we have to make sure, you know, what's happening here that that people are uh, students, whomever are are uh, not ready to hold up their end of the deal or not or not staying committed to that. And we need to address it. And we, we absolutely will. 
So, so Mary Beth, I wanted to uh, bring you in because you've had sort of an interesting perspective on this. Uh, you've been helping out um, the, our reporters at the Catholic Star Herald uh, do some interviews with a number of the different uh, schools in the diocese, sort of talking to them about their plans and you know how they plan to you know wh- what their what they expect to do to open up their schools in, in September. So I just kind of wanted you to give sort of an idea of what, you know, as you've been out in the schools, what you've seen in the conversations you've had with uh, teachers. Has, there, has, has anything sort of like um, really impressed, with, impressed you with what you've seen so far? Well, one of the things that's really impressed me is the collaboration among our leaders. I mean, it has been profound. Um, as Bill said, we have calls during the week. There's the big group call with all the principals. And then on Wednesdays, there's um, we have a, a call with the high school leaders and then a subgroup of the elementary school leaders who sort of were the initial task force. And then within each of those, those were broken down into smaller groups. And the way that they rely on each other is, um, you know, they are they are completely focused on their own schools and their own communities. But the the sharing and exchanging of ideas, it's been really really neat to watch that grow. Um, they've all, I think we've always had that, but it has definitely come to a new level. And they just um, they 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 really build each other up, and they're ready. They. They're ready. I mean, they they have worked so hard. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we we haven't talked about a little bit is one of the benefits of of Catholic schools in this regard, and and maybe the example of that Georgia school we were talking about, um, because our Catholic schools are naturally a little smaller, we have the ability to have social distancing in our schools that a lot of these public schools would never be able to do, where they have to be looking at part-time and hybrid because they just, they simply can't spread out, right? That, that was actually, you know, I was, was going to ask you the same question, Bill. Like, what would you tell to parents that are thinking, well, maybe a hybrid option is better for our family, for our kids. Uh, maybe it's safer. Is it safer? And, and you know, how, how do you think, uh, you know, we as Catholic schools are going to be able to um, have children five days a week? How, how, how is that? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, one of the one of the factors that Mike mentioned was size. You know, so that's both class size and room size. And again, you know, we are we're dealing with, uh, you know, thirty one different <laughs> uh, environments, right? So thirty one different um, uh, sort of microcosms of that interaction between class size and, and and room size. So the first thing I would say. Uh, is that uh, you know Mike's right? So in some in some cases we have very large classrooms. Uh, in cases where we don't, we're spreading out in you know to use the gym uh, or the cafeteria and putting up you know temporary walls to have to creativity. Spread, spread that's kids the out. Word. Yeah, that's like Mary Beth said. The creativity is you know has been outstanding um, among the uh, among the the, the the teachers, the principals, and you know sort of everybody involved. Uh, you know, so when you think about and and here you know, school opening plans from Catholic schools or uh, from other types of schools. One of the things to remember is that uh, everybody is responding to a different set of inputs. So, uh, you know, we have, we respond to uh, transportation in some ways, but our transportation realities are uh, different from the transportation realities of a school district. Uh, Another thing to think about is that a school district that has multiple schools has to sort of do the same thing in every school. So if you have, I don't know, Washington School, Lincoln School, and Kennedy School, 
And Kennedy School has 100 kids, and you can get them eight feet apart in every classroom, so they could be back under the same parameters that we're, we've been talking about here. But Washington and Lincoln can't do that, then nobody can go back on that schedule um, in most cases, right? So they're sort of responding to, to that. Um, another piece is... Uh, you know the uh, is budgetary you know and and I think it's uh, you know there let me just put it this way I think public schools and Catholic schools respond to different budgetary pressures uh, so uh, so I, I think it's not necessarily uh, I think comparing apples to apples there you know that like these two schools had the same choice to make uh, maybe but they didn't have they weren't responding to the same parameters uh, so that's important to remember uh, and, we've, and we and again to anybody who says, hey, you know, wouldn't a hybrid uh, situation be um, uh, be be better? I would say, you know, again, look at those different choices, and I would also say we would not uh, we would not be offering five days in school uh, for students if we did not think that it was safe. So uh, I think a hybrid option would also be safe. I mean, we're, these are two safe options as far as we're concerned. Uh, but our we have done everything we can, uh, again, within all of the guidelines that, that we've been provided and responding to the uh, inputs and the, uh, the realities of, of Catholic schools and our communities uh, to make sure that we can open safely. And so, and, and the final thing I'd say on that, uh, Marianella, is uh, that we know that there are some families who are not yet ready to send their That's kids right. back. And and we know that there are some students who are, um, you know, maybe their their health is compromised in some way. And so, we have from the very beginning said that we are going to have a remote learning option for those family for those families to choose. Um, we ask them to discern it, you know, uh, to talk with the principal about it and come to an agreement that yeah, that's that's where we um, that's what they need for their for their children. And so again, you know, Catholic schools give parents choices. So we, we are a choice to attend to begin with. And um, we're providing the choice for that for that remote option for those families. And I would say, you know, again, we talked a little bit about the feedback we got f- about last year. And one of the ways that we have adapted and are adapting for this year is to make sure that that remote option is as close to the classroom environment as it can be, uh, as live as it can be, as with the class as it can be. Again, because we're Catholic, we're communities, and we think that there's a lot of benefits to those. So I give um, an incredible amount of credit to our teachers who are probably at this moment um, working through all the different ways to um, to make that a reality, and and they have uh, they stepped up in the spring, uh, they're stepping up now, they'll step up in the fall, uh, and that again I think it all goes back to why we're in this. We're in this as a mission. We're in this because we love the children and and we and the students and and, and the families and and the families and we want to do right by all of those and that's that's what we're doing yeah and i think like you know uh, our office really believes in supporting families in in what they need and you know having the children in school really provides that stability for us that are working like mike is a parent you are a parent of five i'm a parent of two and you know just knowing that uh we have school in person let us work uh you know normally as as we need to and you know we know that if there comes to a point where things get worse and we need to revise our plans we will do that right 
Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, and one of the things Mike mentioned before was you know logistics and statistics, and so I, I don't really want to go down the statistics road because that's a we could spend Mike and I could spend a long time talking just statistics, um, but we are tracking um, various metrics to to. Tr- to make sure that the conditions for being in school continue to be uh, safe. Um, and so, um, and again, we respond to a lot of inputs. You know, we, we track our own metrics. Of course, we're attentive to uh, executive orders that we are, you know, where they where they include us and we're mandated to follow. Um, and, and we are prepared if we need to say, hey, listen, we need to switch to remote option here for the safety and health of the kids. We're absolutely prepared to do that. Um, And in fact, we've been prepared to do that from the beginning, not only because we did it, not only because we've been able to make adjustments based on parent feedback, but also because our our model for implementing in the fall includes that uh, presence in the classroom and sort of a, a remote presence for those students who will not be physically present in the classroom and so that transition uh, really incorporating the technology uh, every day leveraging what we've learned that transition I anticipate will be considerably easier uh, this year if we have to make it than it was last year and I think it will be uh, parents will see a difference in um, the way that the school day is structured uh, if again if we have to go to that uh, that option um, for you know, for everybody, for some reason, uh, they'll see a difference uh, that we uh, we believe will be uh, more like the school that they know and expect, uh, and that will be beneficial for the kids. And you know, this is something you know we actually are doing this because we have some experience in this. Uh, when the diocesan offices opened in June, uh, it opened with very severe guidelines of what even we're allowed to do in our very professional working space here. So uh, the only time you're allowed to take your mask off is when you are at your own desk. Uh, if you go to somebody else's desk, you keep your mask on. Usually, the people who work here also put their mask on when someone comes to their desk. Uh, we don't congregate together. Uh, uh, for any extended period of times or, or, or in close proximity of, of each other, unless we're wearing our masks. Uh, when we're together, we, you and I were just in a big meeting yesterday and we were all six feet apart while we were had our masks on sitting around the big conference table, uh, very big conference table that we were able to get so many of us there still six feet apart. Um, and the truth of the matter is in our situation here in the, in the diocesan offices, it's remain, we've now been open for three months and uh, we've been very healthy. There have been no, no outbreaks, no incidents, uh, no, nothing. So if you follow the parameters and you, if you follow the guidelines and if the school accepts its responsibility and making sure that uh, we are protecting the students and if the parents and the students are accepting their responsibility of protecting the school and their classmates and their teachers by following these guidelines, we have every confidence that this will go smoothly. Is when people decide to go rogue or not listen to the guidelines, not listen to uh, the statistics, the our learned people that we know where things will happen, which is why, you know, we as we talked about Catholic school uniforms at the very beginning, and I as I sit here as we're all around the table and. Uh, Dr. Watson is completely buttoned up, and my my, my tie is down around my second button, and uh, I'm slouching and not looking particularly good. There'll be no if if this if this tie were a mask, and I was at school, this would be around my face right now because you will not be able to get away with this. It, this won't be like your shirt tail hanging out uh, underneath your school uniform, or for girl Catholic school girls rolling up their skirts. This is that mask isn't on, and you have a major problem. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and and you know I, we we sort of present the, it 
that's just a reality, you know, and it's it's not, you know, it comes across as sounding kind of harsh, but it's needed. Again, we're in, we, we do the things we need to do so that we can have our community together for the benefits that the community, um, that the community get, brings to everybody. Um, and so, you know, I think it's a given that no matter where you are, no matter what school you're in, no matter whether, whether you've chosen the remote option or the in-person option, the, the the school's going to look and feel uh, different this year. I mean, that's just a reality, and I think everything looks and feels different right now. Uh, but what won't be different, I think, is the uh, is the community. And and I and I have to say, uh, the 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 children, the students, and the teachers, and the parents make the community. You know, the the distance between the desks does not. Uh, the building does not. Uh, itself, uh, the um, uh, the mask does not. It's the people who are in the community, and I have you know great confidence that yes, it's going to be a little bit strange to look around and see your fourth grade classmates all wearing a mask. Although by this point they've probably seen it already. I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but you know, kids are so adaptable uh, of any age, and and th- we will hit a stride. Mm-hmm. And and I I would say just as you've said. When we hit that stride, we have to uh, kind of keep our foot on the gas, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We have to remain vigilant about um, about all of the protocols that we've that we've put in place. But but I would say, yeah, this school year is going to be different. But it will be uh, what what won't be different is the community uh, and that and that sense of of um, what what Catholic school really brings and what the benefits of being there together are. Mary Beth, um, I, I, I want I wanted to ask you for like you know parents that are looking at uh, you know schools right now and like thinking, well, I need more information about uh, the Catholic schools reopening plans or like you know maybe um, things that we have put out in our communications uh, to the parents and to the community. Where can they find uh, information, Mary Beth? Um, probably the best place is on our Facebook page. We've actually uh, we've done. Um, the communication that Bill has sent out to families is up there. We've had a question and answer guide up there. We have videos up there. Bill has made um, trips to some schools and we've been able to put some videos from that there. Uh, Most of the print material that's on our Facebook page is also on our website. Um, And then they could also call any of the schools directly um, and, you know, ask to speak to the principal or the advancement director at the schools. Um, one, one other thing that I wanted to add about sort of what we've seen and to, to continue with what it's going to look like. We did get out to some schools um, that have had some summer programs going on and they've gone really well. The students are wearing masks. It's kind of been a good test run. They've had uh, some of the high schools have had, you know, SAT programs, college planning. They've had summer school. Um, and I spoke with a, t- a teacher from St. Vincent de Paul School in Mays Landing, and she said that it's actually been really relaxed and fun. They, the kids come in in the morning, everybody gets their temperature taken. They do a quick screening, asking a few questions about exposure, how are you feeling today? And then they settle in and they get to work. And she said, it's, it's, it's gone great. So that was really encouraging to me as well. Well, that's great. Well, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, I would encourage everyone, if they have questions, to certainly go to SouthJerseyCatholicSchools.org or the South Jersey Catholic Schools website. Just type in South Jersey Catholic Schools. Uh, And certainly, you can always check out the Diocese of Camden as well. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Bill, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It was a great chat, as always. Thank you. And Mary Beth, thanks for 
co-hosting with me and our Mary Nell. Thanks for co-hosting with me. And so many Marys in this office. And Mary Beth, thank you so much for uh, for joining us as well. And uh, sure. thank you to the thank listeners you. for uh, checking us out. So have a great week, everybody. 